folks, welcome to the Pro Football Ireland. As we get deeper and deeper into this NFL season, and as we start to carve out the plans for Las Vegas and the Super Bowl, it's always good to look back and also look forward as well. And we're delighted to welcome in a guy who is not only a three-time Super Bowl champion executive, a guy that currently now uh, is an analyst for NFL Network among many other titles. I'm not doing him justice. Scott Pioli, uh, as we said, Falsha, welcome. Welcome into Pro Football Ireland. How are you doing? Mike, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You, you did more than do it justice. That's, that's fine. That's the only thing that matters is, is the, the fact that I was blessed to be a part of some Super Bowl championships. So thank you for having me very much. You can see the trophies in the background as well. For people on, on Instagram that can't see it, there's a few Lombardis in the background there, Scott. Oh, um, these old things! <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, not to bring this down a level, but for people, I guess, maybe, and this is something that we find, Scott, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, we find a lot of new fans this year, younger fans, for people in, in Ireland, the UK and Europe that may not have heard about you or heard about your whole career. Can you maybe sum it up in 30, 60 seconds? Oh, wow. 60 seconds. So I, you know, played football all through high school and college, grew up in New York, uh, played college football for five years. Then wasn't good enough to make it to the NFL. So I got into coaching, coached for four years. And then uh, when Bill Belichick was hired as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I had met Bill back when I was um, playing in college. He became a friend when he got hired at the Cleveland Browns. He hired me in uh, uh, hired me on as an entry level person, and I spent uh, the next twenty seven years, um, you know, as a as a entry level. Uh, they they affectionately call us slappies, and those were the people who would do just about anything, everything. It was from doing real work to picking people up at the airport to picking my boss up cigarettes at the <laughs> and then uh, worked my way up as a scout, and was very fortunate to become a director of pro personnel and which was primarily pro scouting and then uh bill and i left the jets in uh 2000 and together we went up to the patriots and i was vice president of player personnel and and a general manager so that that's the quick version of it but again blessed to have gone to five super bowls because i was associated with some really really cool people and able to win three of those so that that's it in less than 60 seconds i owe my I think you've done, you, you done a good job. I, I was waiting for the, and the rest is history because it's been a hell of a run to date as well. And and obviously congratulations and all the very best going forward as well. It's It's been great to see Scott genuinely. And um, I I really want to focus on international stuff and we will do so for people listening just in a few minutes because I know you're a real, um, you know, you're you're really at the forefront of supporting that. Um, just, just firstly, before we know it, they'll be packing up the desks in Radio Row. The rings will be given out uh, for whoever wins the Super Bowl this year and the confetti will be vacuumed up or put into storage and we'll be looking at the combine, looking at the draft. As a guy that's been a front office analyst, um, how do you go around you know, approaching, like analysing, evaluating team strategies just in advance of that? Is that? It's obviously a whole year thing, Scott, but yeah, does it sort of kick up a gear the minute the Super Bowl sort of ends? It, it, as you mentioned, it's year-round and it's non-stop and... and... The, the idea of it's just not just analyzing the rest of the league. It's really mostly the top priority is analyzing your own circumstance, your own situation, your own team, your coaching staff, your all of the processes that you have in place for player acquisition, player development, and then ultimately the execution during games. So, you know, this is we're we're midway through the cycle from a player personnel standpoint. Um, you, you know, backing up as soon as the draft ends in April, the cycle on the next season has actually already started. 
you've done work on underclassmen that didn't come out for the draft. So then you just fast forward into the summer of gathering, collecting information that is not just the evaluation of players, but background information, getting to know who they are. You've got these, you know, the scouts out there that scout all through the fall. And you're actually coming to this point in time right now, Mike. Um, I was just talking to a, a buddy of mine that's a general manager right now. They're getting ready to have their December draft meetings. And what these meetings are is when the general manager, director of player personnel has all the scouts that they have that are either area scouts, regional scouts, um, national scouts that have been scouting all of these players across all divisions in college and even some international. And they start bringing that information to the first set of meetings and start stacking their board. And this is the first, well, maybe the second time that they will start to stack the board and move things around based on the information that's gathered. And this is all being done without the help of the coaches and without the real knowledge of the coaches. So this is an exciting time because, as you mentioned, when the season ends, the player personnel department or the scouting department, people just, it's the same thing. People call it different names. They have to be prepared for the coaches to then enter the evaluation process. And that happens for some teams. For the unlucky teams, it starts, you know, in January when their season's over. For the fortunate teams, you know, they keep going a week, but that also delays the process of the collaboration between coaches. I know that's a lot, Mike, but that's, I mean, I get excited about this because this is the time of year where the player personnel department is really starting to put together the future of an organization. And that's just for the college draft because then you're also looking at free agency which hits us right at the beginning of March as well. It's it's crazy because it it's such a year round cycle now, and yes. it's been done so well where it's on TV flat out, and it feels like every week there's something in a good way. So it's it's definitely enjoyable. Um, I'm gonna put you on the spot here with a few international questions. Obviously, Uh-oh. since here, yeah, here we go. Since um, <laughs> since you came into the league, like, and look, this is obvious for anyone listening, but the evolution of the game internationally has been incredible like even since like even like us guys started doing podcasts different things it has been unbelievable to see and um, i know you're at the forefront in terms of your passion for it and and what you've done you've done many things over the last few years especially to start with before we even talk about that scott it's obviously been put into public knowledge that as of the time we're recording the nfl is looking at hopefully a different spot next year spain or brazil it's it's tbc of course and um, how cool is that because like it's, it seems like a win-win for any international fan i'm not gonna lie dublin to madrid or wherever it is would be awesome but uh whoever gets it you've got great fan bases there and it's just it's, it's just going to continue and grow you know yeah it's it's incredible to watch because you mentioned as we're talking about this is the current this is the right now we're talking about where's that next game going to be and um I love being a part of this process that's happening now and and growing the game internationally because uh, I've had so much exposure to it. You know, probably something you don't know, go all the way back to 1986 when I was still playing college football. Um, Our soccer, as we call it soccer in in the United States, our soccer coach was from Newcastle, England and from the UK. And he had a connection and football was just starting to kind of grow a little bit uh, Budweiser, an American beer company, started a league in the UK. And um, but anyway, th- this coach had a friend who was starting a team up in Newcastle, and they wanted me to come over and play. Me and one of my teammates, I still had eligibility, so I couldn't play. So I went over to coach for several weeks. 
And that was my first exposure to, you know, our football, the United States' game of football internationally. And to see where that has gone from 1986 to now and all the different iterations, even that the NFL has tried, whether it was NFL Europe, whether it was the World League of American Football, all these different iterations and all of these different attempts at trying to grow the game and get folks, you know, internationally to embrace it. Um, and where it is now, where it stands now, has been incredible. I, yeah, I've also been very fortunate. You know, I, I resigned from the Atlanta Falcons after the 2019 draft that I started doing consulting work for the league office. And a, a lot of that was in international. And I've been able to be part of the international combine the first year. Uh, we had it in Frankfurt. And then the last several years, we had it in London. And it's really been an amazing thing to see not just the passion of the fans, but the talent level. Because there's been this longer period of time where so many people internationally have been playing that there's actually more talent that is more um, sport-specific football focused, if that makes any sense. But it's been awesome to watch it. it the, the future is so exciting, quite honestly, Mike. It really is. It, it, it genuinely seems very exciting. And I... I completely agree with what you're saying in, in regards to the in regards to the international talent. Like I watch Gaelic games here, rugby games in Ireland, north and south of the border, and I look at guys and I think that guy could kick sixty yard field goal straight up. And it's it's the potential, it's the future. I know a guy Tag Leader's working very hard at the minute to get that going and hopefully we see progression there. I'm sure we will over the next few uh, weeks and months and years, but certainly it's it's it just feels like a really, really cool time, Scott. And you had the chance to be in um, the UK recently, obviously on Sky Sports. Enjoyed that the first few weeks of the season. Seems like a lifetime ago now. Uh, getting yeah, to go to the academy. We, um, we had Neil over for a live event a couple of weeks ago and he brought Andy Quinn, who's with the NFL Academy, a guy over, the kicker. And um, yeah. just to hear Neil talk about the academy and just how proud he is of the work going on at Loughborough. Um, that must be, when you see that in person, Scott, that must hit home with just how much has developed. Well, it really does. And and to watch the results, quite honestly, because you, we talk about the academy team uh, in Loughborough that played against two teams from the United States for the first time ever. And these were pretty good high school programs. And of course, the NFL Academy program in Loughborough is what we call high school age players. And they played the IMG team, not the IMG national team, but the the, the IMG travel team which is a really good football team. There's a bunch of kids on that and players on that IMG team that are mostly going to be division one scholarship players. And the NFL Academy team of international players put it on. I mean, they put a big dose on Then the next week they played another high school Erasmus high school from Brooklyn, New York, which has been four times city champions in the last, I want to say the last decade. And the NFL Academy team with all the international players, again, put it on that team. So to, I, I think it was a moment that really shocked a lot of people because you know, I was up at the Academy and I saw them practicing for several days. And I'm like, okay, this is a, this, this, this is a good team. There's talent. It's in, But you're watching, when you watch practice and you only see inter-squad scrimmages, you don't know how it's going to stack up against other competition. But I think watching those two, watching those two games and seeing the international players have that kind of success against players the same age, it's a it's a fascinating concept because you know the the academy is taking players from all over the world. 
And then there's also going to be, you know, we just, the NFL just opened up the other, another NFL Academy down under in Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, there's NFL Africa right now, which will likely have OC Umayura, a former player, dear friend of mine. Um, they'll likely have an academy there. Right now, some of the players that are from Africa are playing at the Loughborough Academy. So it's really fascinating to see how it's growing and how youthful it is too, Mike. It's heartwarming to see it grow, especially when you, you I think you root for any international player and it doesn't matter if they're from Ireland, the UK, wherever. I think I think we're all rooting for them, so it, it is great to see. And we, we got a chance to see the academy play uh, in Dublin in August, which was 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 awesome to see it just up close and see what the guys are like as well. Um, a couple of ones just before we finish up, Scott. Uh, obviously, you were sort of talking off camera about you know your work with Good Morning Football. I honestly, man, I am not just saying this. I cannot tell you um, how much I enjoy going to the, to the European Flag Football Championships in Limerick. It yes. was. It's, it's like I've seen flag football before, but to see it up close and to see that weekend was something else. But to then get home that weekend, get up the road and to see you talk about it in Limerick, I was like like a proud father going, this is amazing to see. Because it really put us on the map for a weekend, but it put the sport in the map. And the progression since, the, the games and the, the, the games, obviously, the, the Olympic games going to LA and, and flag football becoming a sport. It's really great here because it, it doesn't just increase diversity on the island of Ireland but it also gets female athletes involved as well exactly just awesome to see man. yeah and, and I gotta tell you Mike um, you know growing up playing tackle football my whole life you know and many people who play tackle football have this perception but athletes are athletes are athletes team sports are team sports and if you haven't uh, you have but if anyone in the audience hasn't had a chance to see top end world-class flag football it's amazing the speed the quickness the overall athleticism the body control the body contortions that you see when people not only try to make people avoid but make plays with the ball in their hands and but you said something michael to me that is one of the most important parts is there there are a large number of women playing tactic football internationally typically in the united states but internationally for sure and I happen to know a lot of those, those women. And this sport right now, flag football, the fact that it is being so, so significantly inclusive without any, it's, and I'm telling you what, and again, I don't know if you watch the men's and the women's or both, but some of the athletes, you know, I'm sure, have you had Phoebe Schechter on the show at all who played? We had, so we we, we literally brought Phoebe to Belfast, I, th- I think two or three weeks ago, and we had a few of the ladies from the Irish flag football team. It was it was awesome to have them on stage and talk about it. The girls from Belfast, girls from Dublin, and um, you could see how much it meant to them as well. It was just, it, it's awesome to see, Scott. It really, really is. It really is. And I've gotten to know some of the players that have transitioned, the female players that have transitioned from tackle football to flag football. And it's, it's a very different athleticism, right? And, and like I said, there are elite athletes. But to watch the transition that Phoebe has made, and I don't know if you know Nausica Dell'Arto from Italy, you know, one of my people. I, I, I always like to claim the Italians as my people being a Pioli. But um, they are really remarkable athletes. And it's it's it, it it allows for this the thing that made me fall in love with football when I was a young boy is yes there's an individual moment of the the one-on-one but you're playing one-on-one for this team this unit of 11 players which is playing for this larger unit 
of offense, defense, and special teams. It's this collective, it's a group, and to work towards a common goal with a group of players and a group of teammates, some that you like, some you may not like, some that like you, some that don't like you, but to find and force yourself to do something that is for a collective greater good through this sport is um, what's always made so attractive to me. And flat football is also allowing that. I love it. I love it, man. I, I, I know you're busy. I have one final question. I'm sure you've seen the uh, Steelers party in Dublin a few weeks ago. 500 people going crazy during the game. Where was uh, this? I'm sorry. So there was a there, so there was a party uh, like a watch party in Crow Park Stadium in Dublin a few weeks ago. Yes, yeah, I... um, how, how awesome would it be to have a game, uh, even as a one-off? I'm just going to keep doing this till it happens on every podcast. Uh, how awesome would it be to have a game as a one-off in Dublin? Huh? That would be awesome. It would be incredible. I'll tell you what, Mike. Now that's above my pay grade, right? I'm engaged and involved in there. There, there's people a, a lot more important than me making decisions like that. But, but I'll tell you this. And I'm I'm borderline embarrassed to say this. I have never been to Ireland, and literally my three best friends from childhood growing up um, are first generation Americans. So their entire their parents were from Ireland, and they used to go every summer. And I was like, ah, I don't want to go. But I'm telling you what, I was always lying. I I can't wait to make my first trip to Ireland. It's going to be, and, and Dublin is one of the places I'm going to go. I've already made it. I have this dream that someday I'm going to be in the middle of nowhere in Ireland at this pub and Van Morrison is going to come up on stage and I'm going to sit there, drink a couple of pints with my boys and listen to Van Morrison play somewhere in Ireland. You've hit all the right notes there, mate. It's funny because I usually start every interview with have you ever been to Ireland? So thank you for letting us know. And uh, we will definitely see you there someday. But Scott, um, thank you so much for coming on. I'll drop your socials in the comments and no doubt, hopefully we'll get a chance to say hello in Vegas. And thank you for doing what you continually do to help grow the game outside the US. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Mike.